Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, who wants to um, hear about storms this morning? <laughs> I didn't say who wants a storm around your life. I said who wants to hear about facing your storms, meeting, greeting, and beating them. Amen. How about that this morning? That's what we really need today. I've just been aware that this year in particular, it's been a, very, a big challenge for a number of people. I've noticed there's been a lot of sickness and, uh, and also some very challenging times in some families across the... Uh, so praying about it yesterday as I was coming into preparing for this morning, I really felt uh, today we need to talk about our storms. You know, isn't it? Isn't it who, who loves a good storm when you're snuggled up, you're in bed, you've got a tin roof, you can hear the rain falling on top of the iron, you know, yeah, it's, you know, even, even the light hail, you know, there's a kind of mesmerizing effect. That's okay, but what about if you're exposed to the storm and uh, you're out somewhere, you had no idea that a storm was going to come and suddenly the storm is there, you're rushing for cover, you don't, wanna, you don't want to get hurt, you don't want others to, then the lightning comes and you think, man, I don't want to be toast, you know, made into toasted sandwich this morning. Um, so you're rushing and ducking for cover until the storm passes. I want to talk to us about how to get through our storms. Uh, this morning, and we want to talk about storms in general today. Uh, by the way, as a bit of trivia, did you know that the largest hailstorm recorded in the Guinness Book of Records is 17.8 inches wide? That's bigger than a basketball. Yeah, so imagine that landing on uh, the, uh, the windscreen of your car. It probably wouldn't last very long. So let's just take a moment and let's just um, bow our hearts before the Lord as we just open the scriptures and open the word of God today. Father, we thank you today that as we're about to find out, Lord, having you in our boat when we're facing the storm makes all the difference in the world. And God, we would hate to be in that situation this morning where we're facing our storms on our own. Where we're facing our storms where we don't seem to have the strength or the power to face another day. Or when we feel so weak, Lord, we don't know how we're going to get through the next day. And so this morning, God, I pray that you would, by the Holy Spirit, that you would empower, that you would impart, that you would release your grace into our lives, God, to face whatever circumstances may be around our life, our physical well-being today. God, we're praying for your ability, the supernatural divine divine ability that comes by love, the love of God into our lives. And Lord, we pray today that you would impart this into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. In the Bible, there's a story that's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three Gospels. It's not present in the Gospel of John. And it's a story of Jesus getting his disciples into the boat. And uh, he requests that they come because he said, we need to go to the other side of the lake. And, uh, and so all the disciples pile into the boat. You know, it was great. It was like, if you've seen this, I, I saw some, I've got a friend right now who's working in Israel and uh, she works right next to the Sea of Galilee. 
and, uh, and she took some photos that were out on the lake yesterday and it was just totally flat. And you just think, how on earth can something like this ever turn into a raging torrent? And yet we find that uh, this storm was so severe that even seasoned occupational fishermen were fearing for their future in this boat. It started out all calm, but once they got out into the middle of the lake, and the Sea of Galilee is very big, they got into the middle of the lake, things started going wrong. And let's take up the story in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 23. Then Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Huh. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. You see, this is what I've come to understand about the Bible. We know the Bible was an actual historical account, and we know that Jesus did many miracles. Did you know that Jesus never wasted one miracle? There was always a lesson in the miracle, and that's what we're going to look about this miracle where a man and human flesh can literally cause a storm, a raging storm to stop and for a whole ocean to go completely flat. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Wouldn't you like to be able to do that in the middle of your storms uh, today? So we're going to look at a, little, a few little things about storms today and how we can deal with our crisis as crisis comes knocking on our door, how we can answer that door and how we can walk our way through that crisis, not in a state of denial, facing up to what's going on in our lives, facing up to the storms that we may be facing in our lives, but getting through the other side of the storm. Who wants to get through the other side of their storm this morning? Yes, me too. So there's, there's three varieties of storm that we normally face. Three varieties. The first one is what I call a situational storm in our lives. Where circumstances start coming crashing in around about our lives. Sometimes they just come out of left field. But whatever happens, it seems like our circumstances are colluding against us. And we find ourselves in the midst of this heavy storm. And we're not quite sure where it came from. We're not quite sure how we got there. But the situation that we now face ourselves in is a raging storm. Proverbs 1, 27 says this. Sometimes calamity strikes us just like a storm. You know, I, I, I was raised uh, on a beautiful um, mixed cropping farm. We had sheep. We grew a lot of potatoes. Uh, and so I was raised on a, on, a, on, a, on a farm where I had the brothers, the, my fathers and his brothers. They all built houses on the farm. And we had a huge homestead on that farm. Beautiful, magnificent, one of New Zealand's most historical homesteads that was built. And in the 1980s, you remember there was a thing called Black Friday in the 1980s. About 1987, uh, where the stock market crashed. 
and where everything began to uh, burn and fall into tatters. People in New Zealand committed suicide as a result of what was going on around about a lot of people lost a lot of money. There was a lot of stress going on. And one of those victims in the midst of the 1987 was that my father lost three generations. He lost my inheritance lost the whole family farm, lost this magnificent house. It was 10,000 square feet, 10 bedrooms, had maids' quarters in it. Not that we had any maids, but it had maids' quarters in it. It was one of the early homesteads that was architecturally designed and built, and he lost it over a $10,000 credit card debt where the bank foreclosed on his farm and the house and three generations of family. And my father found himself in the midst of this horrendous storm He'd only known one occupation all of his life, that was to be a farmer. And to be in his mid-50s and to find himself with no job, with no property, with nothing in front of him, that's what I call a storm. That's what I call a storm. And you'll find it a little bit later on what actually happened in that storm. So that's the first kind of storm that we have. The second kind of storm that we can enter into is a relational storm. How many hands up have been in a relational storm before? Yeah, oh, there's a number of you that are just so pure. You're so holy. You've never experienced a disagreement within your life. You're wonderful. I need to get your autograph straight after the service. Praise God. Amen. Relational storms. What happens in a relational storm? You don't see eye to eye. (laughs) You're not on the same level. There's a disagreement. There's two lives that are operating sandpaper against sandpaper. And sometimes the friction can become so great, especially if the relational storm is where you live. Hello. Especially if the relational storm is where you live and tensions are getting higher and higher and the storm is beginning to rage, home is a place where you're supposed to, everybody say, relax. It's supposed to be a place where we relax. And yet if we find that our relationship with the people that we live under the same roof with is getting tense and tight and tough, then there's no place where you can seemingly go to relax. So we either fight or flight. We either scrap it out or we run for cover. And 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 or or another solution is that we ride the storm and we get through, and God is able to do a work within our hearts and actually change what's happening inside of us. So that's that's a relational storm. And then of course we have emotional storms. And uh, emotional storms. Us Christians are pretty good at emotional storms. You know why? Because we have our Sunday face. We have our Sunday face. <laughs> Come on, everybody, Sunday face. Take a big selfie, Sunday face. We, we have our Sunday face where, where what's really happening on, inside is actually uh, not what's happening on your face. <laughs> that was a loud laugh, Julius. And so we, we, we find that uh, sometimes we're very, very good, especially as Christians, at hiding it all under the surface. But under the surface, the waves are getting bigger. The storm is growing. And we're finding that we're facing uh, emotions that inevitably, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Eventually what's happening inside of you will come out of you. Whether it be anger, rage, malice, uh, envy, 
jealousy, whatever it may be going on inside of you, unless you work your way through and tame that storm on the inside, you're raging right through an emotional storm. And emotional storms are unpleasant because it's like a roller coaster. One day you feel okay and the next day you're just crashing down in the middle of that storm. So what have we got? We've got situational storms, our circumstances. We've got our relational storms and we've got our emotional storms. These are the storms of life. And something that we need to understand about storms is, number one, is that storms for all of us are inevitable. Let's say that together. Inevitable. Inevitable. That means that we can't stop them. Just like in the natural, a storm may come out of nowhere and it will hit us. And so we're going to understand that life is not just one cruise mobile where we're heading off into the sunset and everything's beautiful and everything's lovely and forever and ever world without end. Amen. Life is not like that. Storms are inevitable for all of us. They will happen. We will experience them. If you're not in a storm right now, you will be in a storm at some point of time. All right, I'm not cursing you. I'm just telling you this is how the real world operates around about us. And James, the Apostle James, he put it very clearly in James chapter 1. He, he said this, when you face trials, not if, not if you face a trial, but when you face trials, so you can count on it that you will face storms and nobody cruises through life from cradle to the grave without experiencing some sort of turbulence within our life. So storms are inevitable. Secondly, storms are unpredictable. We can't predict them. We wish we could. So we could prepare ourselves for it. You know, I've had the odd blessing where the Holy Spirit's told me in my quiet times, James, you're about to go through a storm season within your life. Get ready. Buckle up. Man up, grow up, all those things to get ready for what you're about to go through. And sure enough, you know, just like Jesus went through a season of temptation, 40 days in the wilderness, he came to the end of that season. And you know what the Bible says? It says that the devil left and waited for another more opportune time to come back. And so we've got to understand uh, in the midst of everything that we're going through that we do have an enemy and our enemy even though he's, he is predictable, we don't know when and where that storm will sometimes come and hit us from. So, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? I used to read um, horoscopes before I was a Christian. You know, why, why did I used to read horos horoscopes? I used to read them because I really wanted to know what was going to happen to me. <laughs> is anyone else like that? You want to know, you want to find out what's it. But the problem with, you know, astrology and horoscopes and mediums and all that, when you go to see them, you're going to see the devil in, in, in a mask. And so I want to ask you a question in regard to that. Since when has the devil ever planned anything good? for you. So why do we do it? Because we're only going to get trickery and cunning and deceit through all of that when, when we go through that. So storms are unpredictable. We can't predict them. Thirdly, they are impartial. Storms are impartial. They happen to good people. They happen to bad people. Jesus said, the rain falls on both the righteous and the unrighteous. 
In other words, we can't control whether we get a storm or whether we don't. Storms are not favoured towards you or away from you. Storms are completely impartial. So being a Christian doesn't exempt us from being in storms. And I've heard, I've heard false gospel being preached. So have you. Come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved and life will be rosy forever and ever, well without end. It's not the true gospel. And when we preach that kind of a gospel, we are doing people a disservice because what happens? They're in the honeymoon. They've met Jesus. They've come to the Lord. And I was in a honeymoon for about six months as a new believer. It was just like I felt invincible. I felt that nothing could stop me. Nothing could get in my way. And then, oh, oh, here comes a trip up. Here comes something out of left field that took place, phone call that came to my place, and suddenly I was right slap bang in the middle of a storm. And uh, I had had a false ideology that just because I was a Christian, I was immune from storms. But you see, storms are impartial. They come to the righteous and they come to the unrighteous. And so, you know, it doesn't help sometimes when we're going through a storm. Uh, there's these people called God's little helpers. You ever met any of them? God's little helpers. And when you're in the middle of the storm, they like to come and tell you why you're in the middle of your storm. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Brother, did you know that you're in the middle of the storm? Because you've got sin in your life. And so they like to come and explain every situation and circumstances, why you're the problem and why you're going through the storm. God bless those little helpers in Jesus' name. And so we, we need to remind ourselves today, how come the disciples got in the boat in the first place? They got in the boat in the first place because Jesus asked them to get into the boat. Did Jesus know there was about to be a storm? Hello? Yes, he did. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He knows everything from the end back to the beginning in reverse. He knows everything that's going to happen. So Jesus deliberately asked the disciples to get into a boat knowing they were about to go through a storm. Isn't that an interesting fact as we look through that this morning? There's two ways that you and I can face our storms this morning. And we see this in the story. The first way, which is the way that we often initially kick in and react when we go through a storm, is that we can be filled with fear. We can be filled with fear. And this is what the disciples, they, the disciples went and woke Jesus up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. These were experienced fishermen. They weren't novices. They knew the sea, they knew this lake, they'd fished this lake many, many, many times before. But right in the middle of this, this obviously was a gigantic storm. They're thinking that they're going to die. Their hearts and minds are filled with fear. And it's interesting, the Greek word that describes this word is the word seismos, where we get seismology from. And seismographs are used to measure the intensity of earthquakes. So this is obviously a shattering kind of a storm that they're going through. And so in the middle of this major, major storm, here they are out on the lake and they panicked. They got up tight, they got afraid, and that was their typical reaction. They were filled with fear. Or the second way that we can face our storms is to be filled with peace. With peace. We've been singing about it this morning. 
being filled with peace. And uh, when they went to see Jesus, we see his reaction in the middle of the storm, but Jesus was sleeping. You talk about peace, sleeping in the midst of a violent storm, how's that? Because he is the Prince of Peace. And he can bring that kind of peace into any of our lives. And so, you know, Jesus knew that they were going through a storm. Nothing ever surprises God. I'm going to be bankrupt. No surprises to God. I'm going to go through a serious issue or illness. No surprises to God. He understands everything even before it happens, which is why sometimes it's such a challenge for us to understand why some things do happen. And it's ironic to me that in the midst of the storm, Jesus is asleep. Because what happens to most of us when we're in the midst of a storm? What goes missing? Sleep. We spend hundreds and thousands of dollars trying to get a decent night's sleep because we're troubled, we're upset, we're in the midst of the storm, and here you see Jesus. He's asleep. Total picture of perfect peace in the midst of this storm. You know, sometimes when you're facing stuff and you know it's way beyond your pay grade, it's way beyond what you can do to change the outcome of what you're in the middle of. I mean, how many know that sometimes that feeling of that feeling of like you're a puppet on a string sometimes, it can be very disconcerting within your life. It can be a real challenge to you and a real challenge to me. But in the midst of all this is that we see that Jesus was able to fall asleep. He was in a, he, there was nothing that was concerning him, nothing that was worrying him. He was a total picture of perfect peace in the midst of the storm. And I reckon, and I've done this many times, I went through a very difficult period for about a, one year, 12 months, where one of my sons went off the rails. And oh my gosh, it was helter-skelter for 12 months. Having a child go off the rails, having a child who's been raised in church, having a child who's known the scriptures, knowing the word of God and the ways of God, and then to find his life spiraling out of control. And we're connected to them, aren't we? They're our flesh and our blood. And I went through a period of time like that, and I started getting insomnia. I couldn't sleep. I was worried all the time about what was going on in his life. Can anybody relate to me this morning? My goodness, my goodness, in the middle of it all. But you know what? God had to bring me to a point. One morning I woke up, and I was planning a new church when this happened. This wasn't Faith Point. This was another church. I was planning a new church when this happened, and it was like as if I didn't have enough challenges on my plate going through this. And one morning I, wake, I, I woke up and Viv said, my goodness, you look like death warmed. I said, thanks, honey. You look like death warmed up. And I was shaking uncontrollably, shaking uncontrollably. I felt I was really close to having a nervous breakdown. Whew. You know what I had to come to? I had to come to a place of complete and utter surrender that there was nothing I could do to change the outcome of what was going on in my son's life. And I had to put my trust in God, just like the disciples ended up doing in this boat, where they realized they couldn't control the storm. But somebody that was in the boat had the power to be able to change the outcome of future events. And I had to come to that place of complete surrender. And you know what happened when I did that? When I was able to put my faith and trust in the one 
who had, who had died for me, the one that had given everything for me, the one who had power to be able to intercept and bring change into my life at that point in time, suddenly the first sign that I knew that I was trusting God was I had a good night's sleep. That sleep was back, and sleep is often an indicator of where we're truly putting our trust and what we're doing in the midst of that storm. Can I hear an amen in the middle of all that? Your sleep can be like a statement of faith. So where do we get this kind of peace in the middle of the storm? Let's talk about that. Because in this story, there's three principles that are very, very clear that is going to help you ride your storm and get through to the other side, just like these disciples. Remember what Jesus said. He said, let's go to the other side. Do you think that Jesus had intention for the boat to sink in the middle of the lake? No, he had a destination in mind. And when Jesus says, we're going to the other side, he said, he's going to get you there. He's going to get you through the, to the other side. Even if you had a few storms on the way, you will get to the other side inevitably. So here's three things for us to remember today. The first one, which we so easily forget. Remember this morning that God is with us. God is with you. Jesus was in the boat. He was there. He was present. The word says he got into the boat and all the disciples followed him. They had no reason to fear with the Son of God sitting in the boat. Jesus was not going to let that boat sink in the middle of the storm. And we've got to remind ourselves that the Bible says that He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's given us an eternal promise that no matter how rough it gets, God is still with us. And we've got to constantly remind ourselves about that today. We think sometimes we're all alone. We think sometimes that God is far, far away in the distance. But the Bible says that He's just a breath away, that you can call on the name of the Lord and you will be delivered out of your situation and out of your circumstances. So when your boat starts rocking, remind yourself, hey, God is still with me. He is still here with me in the midst of this storm. The second thing is to remember that He cares. He loves us. Don't forget He loves you. Don't forget He cares about you. And you know, sometimes it's the first response that I hear. You know, does God even care about me? Why would He allow all this stuff to be happening and going on around about? Have you ever heard that? Maybe you've even spoken that out of your own mouth. You know, and this is what the disciples did. In Mark's Gospel, verse 38 of chapter 4, it says, The disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, uh, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? Are you oblivious to what's going on here? You know, the, the waves are coming over the boat, Jesus, and all you're doing is sleeping. Don't you care about us? And the devil will work on that in your life. The devil will work to the point that he will get us to believe that God doesn't care about us. That's called deception. God is love. He can't help himself. He loves you and loves you for all eternity. He will never stop loving you. He will never turn his back on you. He cares and wants the very best for your life. But there's some things that he wants to teach us, some experiences that we need to walk through in order to understand the depth of that love and to understand that God can help us in the midst of our deepest, darkest moments within our life. He cares about what we go through. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, Cast all your anxiety on Him 
because he cares for you. Did you know the largest raging, most raging disease in the world today is not cancer, it's anxiety. The millennial generation now, the millennial generation is absolutely, is overloaded with anxiety and young people all over the world don't know what to do. They're filled with fear, they're filled with anxiety, they don't know where to get help, they're jittery, they're nervous, they, they, don't, they don't, can't be alone, they've always got to have somebody with them. It is a disease of the generation that we live in and the Bible says all those anxieties that you're feeling, all those things that you're experiencing in your heart today, why don't you take them and why don't you cast them on the Lord? You know what they did? One good thing the disciples did. They were afraid, but they took their fear to Jesus and they cast their anxiety on him. Yeah, they had an attitude with it. Don't you care about us? But they took what they were experiencing and they brought it to Jesus so that Jesus could actually change and help what they were going through at the time. So remember today, remember, remember this, God loves us. He cares about you. He cares about everybody that you care about. He loves us all. And finally this morning, number three is that in the midst of all of this, yeah, we, we want to know that God is with us. We want to remember that he's with us. We want to remember that he cares for us. But we want to remember this morning that he has the power to deliver us out of situations and circumstances. Because that's the great part at the end of the story. The disciples brought their anxieties. They brought their fears to Jesus. And Jesus responded to them. We're going to talk that in just a bit, a little bit of a minute on how we can respond to that. But we've got to understand today that in the midst of all this, Jesus had power to deliver his disciples out of this storm. See Mark 4.39, Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. You know, in the original Greek, it's more like sit down and shut up. That's what he said to the storm. And the original, he ferociously dealt with the fear, at the, that which, which was calling, causing fear, the issues that were going on in the hearts of the disciples in the middle of that boat, thinking they're all going to die. And Jesus was able to stand up and he was able to deliver them. And sometimes things are beyond our control. And when they, those things are frightening us, when they're altering the course and our decisions, we need to understand today that Jesus has the power to deliver us out of situations and circumstances. Many people don't understand that sometimes stuff that's tailing us, that's chasing us, bad stuff I'm talking about, is a result of some of the decisions of our forefathers. Because the Word of God tells us that the sins of the forefathers are visited down to the third and fourth generation. And so sometimes we need to understand some of the struggles I'm facing is because my father faced them. It's because my grandfather faced them. And many of you, many of you know, as I've told you before, that in my, when Viv and I were first, when we first got married, we had such a terrible time together of trying to get on. If I said it was black, she said it was blue. If I said it was white, she said it was black. It was, we were like completely on the different, different page. And because we, we hadn't lived in the same town when we were courting, 
we were just writing nice letters. Or she wrote me letters, I wrote her sermons. And, uh, and so... <laughs> She said, you really are going to be a preacher, aren't you? I can tell by the way you write your letters to me. You know, it wasn't all this lovey-dovey stuff. It was, you know. <sighs> but then we had the horror of living in the same house. The house of horrors begins. It wasn't all bad. It wasn't all bad. There were some good times within that. But, you know, we came to the understanding. This is what we came to. Why so many storms? We should be lovey-dovey on each other. We should, be, we should be constantly cuddling one another instead of avoiding each other and walking across the other side of the room. You know, we, there, there's something not right here. And, and we were doing the best. I was a prayer. I'd be up early in the morning praying, saying, God, could you sort her out? <laughs> and he was saying, James, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. <laughs> but we had, to come, we had to come to a point that we understand that if God had deliverance for our relationship, then there was something that we were missing that we needed to find out some answers for. So in the end, out of desperation, I found a well-known man who had been in deliverance ministry in New Zealand for a long time, very powerful deliverance ministry. And I rung him up when I was on holiday, came all the way up to Auckland because we were desperate for answers. And, uh, and, I, and I, you know, I knew that, you know, I knew that my dad's marriage failed. I knew that all of his brother's marriages failed. I knew that all my mothers on my mother's side, all of their marriages failed. Not one marriage in two generations had been successful. Oh, I smell a rat here. I smell a rat. There's something not, there's not computing here, something not adding up. Could this be because there's spiritual forces at work over my life that have been passed down through the generations? And that's part of the reason why I'm not negating taking responsibility for your behavior and your decisions. But easy to blame it on my dad, blame it on my granddad. But to understand that spiritual forces are at work within our lives that need to be broken by the name and the power of the blood of Jesus within our lives. And so he says, that, well, he says, so he was on holiday. He came down to his church office. What a pastor. What a guy. I'm thinking, will I do that? I'm not sure. But anyway, he did it for me, and I'm so grateful. I'll probably do it for you as well. And, uh, and so he, he came down. I still remember stubbies and jandals. He was wearing stubbies, and you know, I said, I like this pastor. I like this pastor. And so we went into the office, and, you know, with, within... Within 10 minutes, he said to me, did your father, he said to me, did your father commit adultery? I said, many times. So many times that my mother said, I've had enough. I'm out of this marriage. I'm on my way. I can't keep allowing my heart to get broken and broken and broken again. And so he said, do you know anything about your grandfather? He said, oh yeah, my grandfather was an adulterer as well. I said, I don't know much about my great-grandfather, but I'm assuming by your line of questioning that he probably was as well. And so I realized, and so there was a spirit of adultery and also a spirit of divorce that was over my direct downline through my father's side. 
And uh, and also, I'd been in a I'd I'd been in an adulterous relationship prior to being a Christian. I was part of breaking up of someone else's marriage, and so I I was committing that adultery in that situation. And so I realized, well, this is really me. This is really something that's connected to me. And so as a result of all the questioning, we then began to pray, and other stuff was prayed out, but a curse of adultery and divorce was broken over our marriage, and now 31 years later, we're still married by the grace of God. Does that mean that we've never had a fight since that day? You know, that's what, you know, I, I've always wondered if he should have cast out a warrior spirit out of my wife as well, you know, <laughs> way back then. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good that she's a fighter. Praise God. I just hate it when she fights me. Amen. So, the great message about this last part that we understand about storms is that God has the power to deliver us. There's a little bit of insight about my story, and there's been many other situations and circumstances over the years, and it may not all be demonic power. A lot of the time when you go through a storm, God allows the storm to get your attention about stuff that has actually been going on inside of us that ain't good stuff, and the only way you'd ever see it is if you were walking through the storm, because we're like that. When we get desperate, we get needy. And when we get needy, we start looking for real answers for our life. And and is this not true? We start looking for real ways to move forward without being tripped up by the same stuff happening over and over again in our lives. Jeremiah 32 says this, verse 17. Sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you this morning. We speak that out over our lives. We speak out the fact that we're going to the other side. We're not going to get stuck in the middle of the lake. Jesus said, you're going to the other side. We're going to get to our destination in the name of Jesus. We're not going to allow any storm, any devil, any demon, any of our personal stuff, because we're prepared to take responsibility and we're going to get to the other side of the lake. We're going to get through that storm this morning in the name of Jesus. Notice what Jesus said to His disciples. Verse 26, You of little faith, Why are you so afraid? Number one, he nailed the problem. Fear. Fear. Fear is the wrecking of many relationships. That we're thinking about things that haven't even happened yet, that may never happen, but fear has bound us and is binding our behavior within that relationship that we're finding ourselves. And secondly, not only did he describe the problem, but he described the solution. He said, you have little faith. In other words, what Jesus was really saying was this. I would have actually thought by now, after you've been with me all this time, you've been watching how I've ministered, you've seen my power, I sent the 12 out, I sent the 70 out, I gave you power over demons, I said go and preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils, I've given you all this thing. I would have thought by now that your faith levels would have gone past the realm of little faith, that they would have increased a little bit more so that you 
should have been the one that stood up in the boat that day and rebuked the storm yourself instead of waking me up out of my beautiful nap that I was experiencing. You had to wake me up. And the reason is because you had too little faith. And the thing is, is that you can conquer this, guys. You can move your way forward. You just need to grow your faith a little more and make sure you're putting your faith in the right things. You know, you've all got faith. You ate breakfast this morning with faith that you somebody wasn't going to poison you. <laughs> Who needs friends when you've got enemies like that where you have to get your personal taster in the morning to, you know, sample your breakfast so that you, you know, it's not. We had faith to eat and we knew we weren't going to be poisoned. We had faith to get on the motorway knowing that we weren't going to have a crash. We all have faith, but it's what are you putting your faith in? Are you putting your faith in the Son of God? Are you putting your faith in the one that has the power to be able to change the course and future of your life? Are you of little faith? Jesus, this was the one rebuke he used many times. So you see, friends, it says something to us. When he said little faith, it means that you can have big faith. If you can have little faith, you can have big faith. You can grow your faith to the point that you're able to work your way and actually take charge in the midst of your storm today. Unfortunately, some of us live a life that requires no faith at all. You know, somebody once said that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Risk. Risk. And it's true. If you really want to operate, and what is operating in faith, it means that I can't do, I don't have the power to change this, but God does. So I'm going to put my trust and my faith in Him to change the situation. So I'm going to walk right out on the edge where it's shaky, where it seems like, you know, because I can't go back because there's nothing back there that's actually going to change my circumstances. So I have to trust. I have to trust in Jesus and step out and walk on this water and begin to see the power of God at work within my life. Our faith has the ability to change things. Oh, thank you, Father. You know, Andre Crouch, he was a great singer back in the day. And Andre Crouch, I used to listen. I used to listen to Anyone listen to Andre Crouch? Andre Crouch. Yeah. I don't know why Jesus loved me. Woo! He was this uh, black gospel singer. He was, he was awesome. But Andre Crouch, you know, he had many challenges and many problems within his life as a gospel singer. And this is what he said about his problems. If I had never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. If I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. So brothers and sisters, what's rocking your boat this morning? What are some of the challenges that you're facing today? What are some of those voices that have been screaming in your head that God wants you to silence and command to be still? to bring some calm waters within your life. Because I tell you something, you can't live in the realm of fear for very long before it starts impacting your life, your health, your mental health. You will begin to find a negative trend starting to happen within your life. It's time this morning to actually put a stake in the ground and say, well, I'm not quite sure, Pastor James, how I'm going to do all this. But I'm going to choose faith instead of fear. 
I'm going to choose to believe that God can change my circumstances. I'm going to believe that God's going to get me to the other side of the lake, that he's not going to leave me stuck in the middle of the storm. Like the man whose daughter was sick. Do you believe? Do you believe, Jesus said to him, that I can heal your daughter? And he said, yes, I do, but help me in my unbelief. But he said, he still said a positive yes. And I wonder this morning if there's a positive yes that needs to be echoed out of our lives as we come to the end of this message, to know that we can get through our storms. No matter how big the waves are, we know that Jesus can get us through to the other side. You know, there's one last word that we need to remind ourselves about as we see the storm is simply this. We know, we know from what I've shared with you this morning that storms... Storms are inevitable. They will come in our life. They're unpredictable. We can't predict them. And they're impartial. They come to good people and not so good people. Amen? But there's one other thing that you need to realize about a storm is that they are temporary. They are temporary. They are temporary. It's not always going to be like this as it is at the moment. Julius, it's not always going to be like this, bro. You know, this guy opens up his home for us on Friday night for the Kai Connection and uh, moves his van out to make room for us to park. And this guy has a domestic across the road, comes screaming down the drive across the road and smashes straight into the side of his work van. You know, the brother's out doing us a good turn. But I want to tell you, bro, it's not always going to be like this. And because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you need to know that God's going to get you through to the other side. Can you say amen to that church? Amen. You know, you know, and he's, he's got a number of storms going on around about him at the moment, and that's up for him to share with you. But bro, I want to tell you, receive that impartation from the Holy Spirit this morning. And just remember too that God loves you, bro. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord this morning. Can we stand to our feet, please, as we finish?